Hello and welcome to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve Caldwell here and we're so glad that you're here. We use our mojo to really become greater leaders. Now, let's get started by listening to something good. The feedback we've been getting on Mojo University is absolutely amazing. People are loving the fact that they can learn how to lead others and that there's actually a course that they can take that uh, it allows them to learn, but they do it on their own time. Uh, I want to highly encourage you, if you're listening to this show and you're needing to improve your leadership skills, go to mojouniversity.com and try us out for a month. I promise you it'll be the best thing you've ever done for your career. Take care and thank you very much. Hello and welcome everyone to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve Caldwell here and I am thrilled to introduce my special guest today. My special guest is Mr. Ed Epley. Now, uh, Ed is a longtime, lifelong entrepreneur and is a leading global expert in professional management, sales strategy, and performance management. Now, he's the principal consultant for the Table Group and has trained managers at multinational companies across the United States, Europe, China, Japan, and Australia. And if that's not enough, he's probably going to the moon next. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but I know he's been a busy man, and we are going to have the pleasure today to talk about his new book. Uh, he's got a great book out. It's called Let's Be Clear. The Six Disciplined of Focused Management Pros. And I've thoroughly enjoyed the book, Ed, and I can't wait to talk about it today. So let me welcome Ed Epley to the Manager Mojo Show. Welcome, Ed. Thanks, Caldy. It's a, it's a real pleasure to be with you. Well, the pleasure's all ours, and I know our listeners are going to be uh, truly blessed by what we're going to talk about today. Uh, but before we get started on your book and your ideas, why don't you share with our listeners what fun thing that you've been up to lately outside of work? Well, I, you know, it's funny. They're probably going to sound a little bit uh, at odds with each other, but I, I got to go sneak down to uh, one of my favorite places, which is Southern Pines uh, or Pinehurst area of North Carolina uh, two weeks ago and play uh, probably my last rounds of golf for the, for the year since I reside in Ohio. And um, so it was always it's always great to be down there. But the the other part at the other extreme is getting ready for the holidays and and Christmas. So I'll uh, be getting a chance to celebrate with our uh, family here in just a, a, a couple of days. So we're excited about that, too. That's awesome. And I know uh, everybody is probably like me. That's a fellow golfer. We're uh, kind of irritated that you got to go to Pinehurst, but that's OK. <laughs> uh, I know you enjoyed it. 
And uh, I sure did. I, I, I will have to tell you while you're freezing your butt off in Ohio, I'm going to be playing golf in the Phoenix area, so I'm going to get even that way. Is that okay? Oh man, you're killing me. <laughs> but, 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 but that's fair enough. I, I I got to play my first serious golf there earlier this year, and and uh, recognized just how many great golf courses you have out there. Oh, it's it's truly amazing, and uh, I love it. And I, I'm blessed to be able to play all over the country. But I totally love the Arizona. Uh, in the winter, there's nothing yep. better in the country than Arizona in the winter. So, yeah, I, I can't argue with you. All right, Ed, uh, let's get started because I want to. I want to jump right in to let's be clear. Uh, I, I I absolutely uh, love your writing style and the way that you simplify uh, what we should do and how how we should think in this book. So it, it, let me just say, by first of all, uh, congratulations on a job really well done. <laughs> and uh, I want to—I uh, I do want to point out to our listeners who have not had a chance to to, to read it. Uh, Ed talks about six disciplines, and we're not going to be able to talk about all of them today. We won't have enough time, but I'm going to list them real quickly for us, and then we're going to dive off into some other specifics. Uh, his six disciplines are leadership, strategy, people development, structure, organizational performance, and then culture. And uh, I, I have to say, Ed, if, if we could master these, uh, I, there's no doubt about it, we could be much more effective in our leadership career. So uh, when you were putting this book together, uh, I'm, I'm always interested in what was your thought process about putting it together in a way that uh, could really make sense for us in, that are actually taking this great challenge on in life? Um, well, the... I think probably the genesis of this was um, it, it really uh, was a, a bunch of tumblers kind of falling into place in a in a condensed period of time. Um, one, I started doing work as a facilitator um, or an adjunct, uh, if you will, presenter at a place called Aileron, which is near Dayton, Ohio, and it's the brainchild of uh, Mr. Clay Mattill, who was the um, owner of Imes Pet Foods and took it from a, about a million dollars in revenues to almost a billion over about 25 years and then sold out to Procter and Gamble in 1999. And um, he has a, a love affair with entrepreneurs and business owners and he wanted to make it possible for as many of those people to understand professional management. So he has this campus that he's endowed and created and, and so he's asked me as to be one of the people who presents professional management to those people. So I started doing that about six years ago. About three years ago, maybe three and a half, I met uh, a gal uh, by the name of Adrian Burke, who was there to facilitate some discussions, including Clay. And she's a Yahoo, uh, was at the time a Yahoo small business writer for, for the uh, organization. And as she and I got to uh, meet, and as she set through one of the course for president programs that I taught, um, we just struck up a relationship of mutual respect, uh, both of us doing different things, but uh, being uh, both intrigued with entrepreneurs. And then it occurred to, I think, both of us about the same time that there was a possibility for a book. And um, one of the things that the professional management model that they teach at Aileron which you've identified the six disciplines did for me was provide a, uh, if you will, a skeleton on which to hang the different experiences. Um, and it, as you like to point out on your website, the mistakes that you've made, well, I've certainly <laughs> made plenty, plus the ones I've gotten to witness with my clients and, and other organizations. 
Um, so it just provided a framework for me to say, well, here's what I know about leadership. Here's what I know about strategy and so on and so forth. So forth. Sorry for that long answer, but it, it, it really was not an epiphany as such. It's just a, a collection of things happening at the same time. Well, uh, I'm glad you answered exactly the way you do uh, and you did here because uh, it's obvious to me uh, from having been in this industry a long time and helping people a long time that uh, you've taken your 40 years of experience and really highlighted the most important things you have to master. And uh, as we both know, uh, brevity uh, is is how you're going to make money as long as that brevity is focused on the right uh, target. And uh, you you nailed the targets. And I, I want to talk about a couple of them today. Uh, sure. in, in particular, because I see this uh, myself all the time, uh, that uh, we, we live in a society that seems to be obsessed with list making. Sure. And uh, would you agree with that, that we do live oh, in yeah. that type of society? I mean, oh, yeah. It, it drives me nuts, people walking around and they uh, all they got is a freaking list and they're not getting anything done that's important. But you said uh, in your book, you recommend a stop doing list. Could you talk to us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I, I wish I could have invented that, but uh, we got to give credit to Jim Collins in Good to Great was the place that I first saw that. And um, it, it so resonated with me because most of us, when we've been in a management role, no matter what level, um, once you become a manager, I think, Paul, you, you find out very quickly you'll never get all the work done. Exactly. So it, it really becomes crucial that you decide what needs to get done and, and at the same time, what if you're not going to do something, what's probably okay if it falls off the plate or, or waits. And, and so the stop doing list is so critical because, as you know, the, 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 the creep of the scope of the job is in, it's insidious. It just keeps coming at you. And if you don't every once in a while prune what's coming at you and get rid of some things that, that you are consciously going to stop doing or do much less of, um, you're just going to be overwhelmed. So I love, I love the, 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 the liberation it gives you when you make that list. And I recommend doing it about every six to 12 months, no matter what level of management you're in. I, I think that's outstanding advice. And, uh, the, the, the simple fact is, uh, if we're really not monitoring what we're doing, we don't realize how far off track we can get, do we? Oh, it, it's, as I said, it's insidious. It'll just, <laughs> it'll just sneak up on you. And the next thing you know, all of a sudden there's this stuff that you're spending time on that probably, uh, you shouldn't. And, um, in many cases, no one in the organization should do it. Uh, uh, agreed. Uh, it's, it's, uh, really called priorities, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It we, absolutely is. We've got to figure out what our real priorities are, and uh, we, we get really messed up with that. Uh, and uh, th- there was another area that, uh, frankly, uh, for, th- for those that are in senior management, I- I'll tell you, you, you've got to uh, really study uh, Ed's ideas about structure in a business. Uh, your, your section on structure essentials, uh, I found to be very, very spot on. Uh, no matter how big or small your business is. But if you're really in a small growing business, I find that structure conversation really important. Why don't you share uh, really what are some of the main things that you've learned uh, in, in your, uh, all of your experience about how important is structure and how should we think about it? 
Well, um, boy, you're opening up a, <laughs> what could be a, a long conversation. But well, we'll take it as far as we can. How about that? Okay. Yeah. Well, well first of all, structure, most people, when you say that word, most people um, think pretty narrowly about, you know, the way we have our people organized in the organization. So it, it's, it's kind of like the org structure. Um, so first thing that I like to help people think about is that structure is the way you deploy your resources. Um, and, and if you think about the resources that you have, then what, you, what you've got there are not only are, are the talent that you have, but it's the money, it's the time, it's the facilities. Um, so it's these uh, different resources that we have available to us. And then this, so it's how we deploy those, but then it's also uh, making sure that the way we're going to use that uh, those resources are in support of our strategy. And so often what you see in businesses that they're, they're tolerating a structure that they know is not ideal, either because they don't have the right people or they don't have the right systems or processes, but they're so busy doing work that they won't take time to fix the structure. Is that, I hope that's, I'll try to make that as, as uh, the, like the real 30,000 foot view of the way I look at structure. Well, I, th- I think it's an uh, appropriate level of uh, an, um, an appropriate way to explain it because there's two assumptions here that I want to point out to our listeners. Number one, you got to have a strategy. And uh, so many times, uh, uh, what I find is that leadership doesn't realize that the market changed. And so mm-hmm. they're working on this strategy that, uh, frankly, because they're so out of touch with their customer, that their strategy should have changed, it hasn't changed, and so now everything's starting to break down. Uh, Collie, if I could for just a second, just run with that. There, there, it's amazing to me the number of businesses, um, probably if you were to take a threshold, uh, somewhere under $100 million in revenue, the number of them that are selling what they want to make rather than what the market wants to buy. It's just amazing to me how many of them still are, are – lacking a, a, an understanding of where they have to be and what they have to do to have a true sustainable competitive advantage. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, it, it, it drives me bonkers because uh, it, it doesn't matter what you want. It only matters what your customer <laughs> wants. Correct. I agree. Uh, it, 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 is, it is amazing. Uh, I, I had this very conversation uh, with a, a manager this week that was uh, focused on what happened five years ago with a customer and a customer saying, Hey, things are great now. And I'm like, dude, you got to earn their trust for next year. They're not going to care what you did five years ago. You've got to focus that, about being in sync with them. You bet. And, 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 uh, if you will, thinking about where they're going to be, maybe even before they do in some cases. I, just really cool. I, I, I'm curious, uh, you use a, a wonderful uh, way of communicating that uh, I have not seen uh, before. And I want to share this with our listeners because uh, I, I, I really want to encourage them to go get a copy of your book. And uh, I, I, uh, as a matter of fact, before we even do that, why don't you share with our listeners what's the best way that they can connect with you and go get a free chapter of your book? The, the website that we have that lets people download the first chapter for free is called letsbeclear.com, and it's all one word, and let's is spelled L-E-T-Z, as in Zorro, so letsbeclear.com. 
that's probably the simplest way for them to do that. And the book, the book uh, is actually coming out uh, for uh, publishing, self-publishing, and probably next, uh, I would guess within the next three to five days. And so it'll, be uh, it'll full, certainly full, be out by book. the time that this particular interview is published and shared with everyone. So, uh, But I want everybody to know that if you're exercising, don't worry, we're going to include a link uh, in this particular post that'll allow you easily to uh, connect and get your copy of your uh, chapter because uh, I want you to have that and so we'll make it easy for you to get that done uh, and make sure you get it done because you're going to to really find a lot of great great tips in here uh, but uh, I, I want to share with our listeners that you you use a structure that says you, you you'll do a chapter you go through what you what you talk about and then you uh, break it down uh, just like an executive summary. You'll use uh, structure essentials. For example, you use questions to ask yourself uh, mm-hmm. and uh, then some next steps uh, in, in regard to what to do next. Uh, th- that's a very cool way of uh, putting this into an action plan. So congratulations for getting that done. Thank you. I uh, again, I, I'd like to take full credit for that. But Adrian gets a lot of the credit. Joel Kessel, um, who is the gentleman I work with from a PR standpoint, he's brilliant on these kinds of things. So I've had a lot of help to try to organize my thoughts. Awesome. Well, uh, tell them they're doing a great job and uh, congratulate <laughs> them for us. So it, we'll, it, we'll do. tell them you get to take the credit and uh, that they're making you look good and keep it up. Uh, so it's a good thing. Uh, All right. Uh, I want to talk now about one section that uh, I, I've, uh, I've dealt with talking about people and helping people improve productivity for many years, done a lot of uh, behavioral analysis as well for companies and people, and uh, but I've never seen this particular equation that you came up with, and I'd like for you to share it with our listeners and tell us what you were thinking about. Uh, you used an equation that said skill times effort equals results. That skill, time, effort equal results. Tell us, first of all, tell our listeners really what you were really referring to here and uh, then kind of th- share some of the wisdom behind that. The, the intent was, again, to simplify uh, the concept of, of how people produce an outcome. And so as I was thinking about it, um, and I, I don't know, someplace, somewhere, someone else may have said the same words, but I never, I don't know whether, where the, you know, where that came from, but yet somewhere it's been in the back of my mind. I know that. And the, the end result was that, um, so often people confuse working hard with being effective. And Amen. It's, it's not <laughs> Say that fun- again. Say that again. It's not a function of how hard you work. It's a function of what you get done that really matters. There you so go. we don't want to confuse effort with results. And at the same time, um, there's a skill then that has to be matched with our effort. And when you put those two together, that's really going to drive the results any person gets. So then uh, that's really where the, the formula actually came from was that whole premise that so often people want to be given approval for how hard they're working. Um, and in fact, I've even seen this in organizations where somebody who, you know, takes 50 hours to get the same amount of work done that somebody does in 40 hours is lauded for their hard work. And the True. person who gets it done in 40 hours is thought of as, a, as somewhat of, a, of being lazy, you know, because they, they don't, they don't 
come in way early and stay way late to get the same amount of work done. So that's kind of where the, the whole idea of the, of the, the uh, formula came. Well, uh, you're, I think it's really a smart way of doing it because it's about skill. And uh, when we talk about leadership, what we're really talking about is developing your skills, are we not? Yes. And, and if I could, there's a couple of things there that I think for most people, um, the higher they get in organizations, there's a couple of things I think that, that I really would emphasize. Number one, the, the, the best leaders that I know of, regardless of the kind or size of the organization, are highly self-aware, Caldy. I don't know if you see that or not, but they, they really know their strengths and weaknesses. They know what they're good at. They know what's natural or instinctive for them to do and what's not. And so they, they make allowances or they, they mitigate when the areas where they're weak. The second thing is, um, with all due respect to the book Strength Finders, the, the higher you go up in an organization, the less the organization needs of your strengths and the more they need less of your weaknesses. So they, they need us, if we're going to be at the executive level, to spend time and energy uh, becoming better at those parts of, the, of our job or skill set where we are not strong. And, and most executives that are not self-aware won't, won't do that and don't do that. Yeah, they ignore it, won't they? Yeah. Oh, they'll run from it. And yeah. they'll, just keep, they'll just keep, you know, that whole Groundhog Day thing of using what got them to the position they're in as their way to solve the next problem. And as you know, you see it all the time, I'm sure, with your clients, where they over-rely on something that, that was a strength and it now becomes a weakness because they're overusing it. Well, they don't realize that the game changed. And yep. uh, it, it, when you're not self-aware, you don't realize that uh, when you uh, when you go from one level to the next, there's a completely new set of rules, and unless yep. you understand what those rules are, uh, your blind spots are going to whack you in the head in a way that you really don't want. You know, um, for what it's worth, one of the things that Aileron really promotes is the um, the creation of an advisory board for the executive. Uh, for the for the CEO, president, or owner, and and one of the things that a great board will do, not a board of directors, but a board of advisors will do, is they will help the 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 executive better understand her or his blind spots. It's a beautiful thing when that happens, but it requires yep. you to set your ego to the side, yeah, and say, you know what? In order for me to improve, I've got to have a mirror that actually shows me the truth. You bet. And it's great advice, and I, I'm really happy that you brought that up. Uh, from from your perspective, uh, what do you believe really are a couple of the key uh, examples or the key areas that would show somebody what poor leadership looks like and how they could avoid them? Um, well, I... <laughs> I, I don't, I've often wondered whether we should rank these, but I don't know that we can in terms of a hierarchy. But the way I have them organized in the, uh, in the book is, number one, um, your talent will depart. Good people that shouldn't leave the business are going to leave you or your team if, if you're not leading them effectively. That's one. Mm -hmm. um, if, if you have a P&L responsibility, then what you'll probably see happen if you are growing, that the growth won't be profitable. And I can't tell you how often 
um, organizations get bigger, but they don't get better, right? And and right. so a, a poor leader won't address the real root cause issues. They're going to keep you from being profitable as you scale. Number three would be that productivity will be flat or worse declining. And a great leader is constantly um, enlisting the ideas and the thinking of the organization so that they are uh, changing and morphing as they need to so their productivity improves as opposed to simply just keeping pace. Um, overall, you're going to see with poor leadership employees being demoralized um, and, and, you know, where they show up and work, but they're not fully engaged to one degree or another. Um, you know, besides talent departing, um, when you look at your bench that you have for talent, there's nobody waiting in the wings for, for most, if any, of the, of the executive or management roles in the organization. That's another one. And then an, another one that I see uh, for uh, a typical sign of poor leadership would be inconsistent results. You know, you, you go from one year that business is great, um, results are great, and then you go one or two years where it's flat or poor. And so it's just that uh, fits and starts kind of thing uh, because uh, the leadership is not really looking far enough over the horizon or tackling the, the real issues that need to be tackled, one or the other. Well, it's definitely a, uh, a tough business to master uh, when you start looking at really improving your leadership, and it never ends, does it? It's, uh, I'd like to think I've been working at it for a good while and I think I'm a better leader than I was, uh, you know, two or three years ago, but I'm a long way from being what I could or should. I know that. And none of us are at all. Uh, and we're all working really hard, uh, to, to get better. Uh, Ed and, uh, are there, uh, other than the, uh, website to download a book, is there any other social media or anything you'd like to offer to people to connect with you? Well, my website is theepleygroup.com, so it's the all one word, the Epley, E-P-P-L-E-Y, group. Um, and, and at the website, one of the things that we do is offer a free assessment so people can um, check their performance in each of these six disciplines just to start to gain some more awareness about how well they think they're doing the different disciplines. And from that, that it, it'll probably give them also then some uh, some direction about what they might do to to make progress and, and certainly makes it possible for them to reach out to me if they want to do so. Absolutely. And thanks for sharing that. And uh, we will include that link as well in this particular post. So look for it guys and go take advantage of, uh, of Ed's offer for an assessment. Uh, Ed, as we wrap it up today, what would be, I like to talk about action items and sure. uh, what would be the top two action items that you want people to, to take from our conversation today and, that they can start moving forward. Boy, that's that's uh, if there's two things. Um, well, one certainly would be if you don't have somebody like a board of advisors that's going to tell you the truth, um, as you probably need to know it. I would be trying to cultivate one or two people in your organization who will have that fearlessness to be able to come to you and say, "Look, we need to talk." And, uh, and, and when you seek them out, they'll, they'll not hesitate to tell you reality as they know it. So that would be one thing for that, that ability to improve self-awareness. Uh, I think the second one, as it relates to leadership, I mean, because probably if you were to pick up the six disciplines, the one that everything else kind of hinges on as far as I'm concerned, um, I think you also have to um, understand 
what you personally are all about. What is your purpose in life? And, and so often we have people who are trying to lead an organization and engage people, and yet they're, what they're trying to do in business is in some way in conflict with what they're about personally. Um, and, and so the more I can help uh, or the more I see an executive who has clarity about why they're on this earth and what they need to be doing to be successful in life, not just in business, the better able I think it is for them then to know what they need to do to lead in a manner that's consistent with who they are, where they can then be authentic. Because too often you see these, these people at the head of an organization that they're literally two kinds of people. There's who they are at work and there's who they are away from work. And when those aren't in sync, I think it's, it's, it's draining. I think it's, it's really hard for them to be as effective as a leader as they otherwise would be and to be able to sustain that. Oh, Hopefully I, that's, that, 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 that aligns with you. Uh, no, that that's absolutely true, and uh, it, they're 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 draining on others just as much as they are themselves. That's for sure. So, uh, I think both of those action items are awesome, and we all should take advantage of them. And uh, it, it sums it up beautifully for the title of, of Ed's book. Let's be clear. Uh, I think that that has so many different connotations for all of us. Uh, and Ed, congratulations on a great book and thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. And on behalf of all of our listeners here at, at Manager Mojo, we wish you continued success in every, every, uh, every area of your life. That's hard for me to say today for some reason, but uh, we want you to be completely successful and uh, we invite you to come back again soon. Paulie, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thanks for all you're doing to hold up in front of others the, the challenge of leadership and help them understand what they can do. If there's anything I can do to support you or the organization or any of your listeners, please don't hesitate to let us know. Thanks so much and happy holidays. Happy holidays to you too, Ed.